Michael Hayward, host of a new podcast series called Coach on Your Shoulder. In this podcast, we'll explore the world of executive coaching and specifically get to know what coaches do, the various ways they work, and how you can take advantage of a coach to get ahead in your career, with your projects, or in any area of your life where you could benefit from some help in reaching your goals. In this series, we are joined by Melissa Simmons of Lubinology, a Texas-based coaching business. Melissa draws on her extensive business and education experience, as well as her training as a Marine to coach entrepreneurs and business leaders. All right. We're here with Melissa Simmons, who is the founder of Luminology. And I think we're going to have a fascinating discussion about Melissa's approach to coaching and approach to knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's entirely a pleasure. Let's start with just a little bit about you, and nobody can tell your story better than you can. So can you tell us just a little bit about your background and what gets you up and what gets you going for coaching? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I started my career as an officer in the United States Marine Corps, and we'll come back to that throughout this conversation because it's really foundational when it comes to my philosophy and how I view the world. And I served for eight years. Following that, I spent a little bit of time in the defense contracting industry here in the U.S. and was wholly unsatisfied. Ended up quitting my job, moving to Alaska, and I worked in a bookstore for about a year. And after that, I decided to become an entrepreneur. I built and operated and ultimately sold a gym. And then I went to work in a family office, which if you're not familiar with that construct, it's an entity that supports high net worths, families, and individuals, mostly doing investment management, private equity, property management, risk management, all of those things. And then I left to join an operating company. And now I've moved on to my next chapter, which is executive and leadership coaching. Oh, and along the way, I've picked up a few degrees. In addition to my undergraduate degree, I also have an MBA and a master's of science and leadership and change. All right. So you've been busy so far. Yes. And and your newest venture, Luminology, is about coaching. Tell us a little bit about the kind of coaching that you typically offer, who you spend most of your time helping. My preference is one-on-one coaching, although I do some small group coaching. It's important to me to have a very individual relationship with my clients. I don't like to do anything that feels like it's pre-canned or out of the box. I like it to be very customized and individual so that I have a real connection with each of my clients. What it says on my website and my offerings is executive and leadership coaching. And so executive is probably a little bit easier to define. You can tell if someone's in an executive role. Leadership is more broad. And I like to leave that open because anyone can be a leader. And I like to work with people who are interested in leadership and specifically how they can improve their own capabilities as a leader. Luminology is an interesting name. What, what's that? I made it up. I had a really hard time coming up with a name. And I played around with a bunch of different ideas. I leveraged ChatGPT to help me brainstorm. And ultimately, I landed on Luminology because there's connotations about light. And that's important to me because... The coaching process is about shedding light on an issue or lighting a path forward. 
And so having that connotation in there is an important element of, I want people to know that that's part of what to expect when they come to us for coaching. Okay. For the first part of our conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about this concept of know yourself and seek self-improvement, which is an underlying concept in the Marine Corps leadership principles. Can you walk us through the basics, Melissa, of these Marine Corps leadership principles? Sure. The Marine Corps teaches 11 leadership principles, and I've picked one. This is my favorite one. I think it's foundational and broadly applicable. I'll give you a taste of some of the other ones. There's 11. So the first one, which I love, is know yourself and seek self-improvement. There's also know your people and look out for their welfare. Keep your personnel informed. Set the example. Ensure that tasks are understood, supervised, and accomplished. Make sound and timely decisions. That's not all of them, but it gives you a flavor of some of the other leadership principles. And you Mm -hmm. hopefully can tell so far that these are not Marine Corps specific, but they're actually broadly applicable to leadership in general. It's an approach that can be used outside the military? Without a doubt. I've been out of the Marine Corps for 15 years, and this foundational philosophy about leadership and the training that I received from the Marine Corps has served me well beyond. I've been out longer than I was in, and it set me up for success in a way that's difficult to encapsulate other than trying to teach other people these same sorts of skills that I learned. Mm -hmm. There's a common misconception, I guess, that anybody who's in the military is only taught how to follow orders. How does a Marine get taught to not follow orders? That's a good question. And this is something that I run into frequently when people find out that I served in the Marine Corps, thinking that, oh, that sounds like you don't have any opportunity to be creative or think for yourself. And it's quite the contrary. I can't speak about the other branches of service because I didn't serve in them. I served in the Marine Corps. And what the Marine Corps teaches is it teaches people how to think and really picture this. If someone's given you a mission to accomplish, and then sends you out to accomplish that mission, but the situation changes, if the leader had told you not just what the mission was, but how exactly to accomplish it, and then the situation changes, you'd be stuck. If all you know how to do is follow orders, you wouldn't actually be able to accomplish the mission. Mm -hmm. So what I learned in the Marine Corps, and one thing that makes it possibly unique, I don't know if the other branches teach this in the same way, is that you are focused on mission accomplishment and you have a lot of latitude about how to get things done. So that's an important distinction. Yes, you accomplish the mission, you get the job done. That's where you get into the following orders and executing. As far as how to do it and following orders wrote to the letter, someone telling you exactly what to do, that's not the case. That was not my Mm -hmm. experience. In fact, you're encouraged to have a lot of creativity, initiative, and setting your own path about how to get things done. Must be a limit to that. There must be some point at which debate is no longer what you need, right? You need some getting it done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So break it down a little bit more for me, if you don't mind. Like, what does this mean for you? I was recently discussing this philosophy with someone who pushed back a little bit and said, well, that sounds selfish and it sounds self-centered and leaders should be caring about other people more than themselves. And I took a minute to think about that. Really, I took a couple days to reflect on that and ask myself that question. Maybe this person was right. Maybe they had a point. 
And I came full circle and thought to myself, no, this really is, to me, a foundational principle of leadership because it goes back to the same concept of putting your own mask on first, what they teach you to do in an airplane in case of emergency. You need to have your own house clean so that you can be an effective leader for other people. And ultimately, the better you know yourself and work on yourself, you will be able to help others. Right. Makes sense. So do you apply these principles in your own business or your own life? Absolutely. Can you give us an example? I like to run experiments in my own life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this comes from the quest to know myself. So often it starts with a question. I'll give you an example. The last few years we've been working remote and it's, I found myself sliding into this not getting dressed and showing up for work in sweatpants and just kind of being in this low grade sense of dishevelment all day long. And I asked myself the question, is this how I want to show up professionally? Then it leads into an experiment. What would happen if I get up, show up at an actual work time and get dressed properly for work? Will I notice a difference in how I'm showing up? And I proceeded with the experiment and it turns out, yes, that is true. If I get dressed as a professional, show up for work, even though I'm all I'm doing is walking upstairs to my home office, I'm showing up better as a professional and ultimately performing better in my job. That's a great example. Broadly speaking, the idea of knowing yourself and improving, it's almost like it sounds like it could be for everyone. Is it actually for everyone? Is there anybody who shouldn't try this? I think it is for everyone and maybe not for every time. What I mean by that is this is universally applicable to all people in all walks of life. And there are times when you just don't have the luxury to contemplate about who you are and how you're showing up and you have to just get the job done. It is a little bit of a, let's call it a luxury, to be able to step back and reflect. I think it's a necessity. It's just not always the right time to do it. If you need to get something done or you're in survival mode, you probably don't have a lot of bandwidth to reflect and work on improving. That's just reality. Mm -hmm. Is there anything a person needs to have in place before they start down this road? Any prerequisites? Openness and curiosity. If you think that you know everything there is to know, even about yourself, then this approach is not going to work. So you do a one-on-one coaching and very bespoke or customized coaching approaches, but for people who maybe haven't had a coach for work or for life, it seems to me that most of the time there's an underlying methodology or a way you go about the coaching process. Can you describe a little bit about how you go at it? Yes. And you'll see some variance depending on whether you Google what is the coaching process or if you talk to different coaches. And I break it down into a five-step process. One, identify your objective. What are you trying to achieve? It's hard to know whether you're succeeding if you don't actually know what you're trying to do. Step two is gain understanding through assessment. Assessment can be many different things. It can be observation. It could be taking a quiz. It could be taking a 360 evaluation where you're getting feedback from your peers, superiors, and subordinates. So assessment is pretty broad, but step two is gain understanding. Step three is develop an action plan. So you've gone through step one, which is identify your objective. You've identified a goal. You know what you're trying to accomplish. Two is you kind of figure out where you are 
Three is you develop a plan. So if you know where you are and you know where you're trying to get to, then you develop a plan how to get there. Step four is collect feedback. So as you're beginning to execute this plan, you have to get some information about whether you're on the right path. Are you accomplishing what you've set out to accomplish? And then finally, review the results. And you can iterate this. So if you get to step five, you review the results. Or even step four, when you're collecting feedback and you realize, I'm not really where I wanted to be or I'm not accomplishing what I set out to do, then you loop back and refine. So it's a very simple and straightforward process. And arguably, a person could execute this on their own without the help of a coach. So then you ask yourself the question of why? Why would mm -hmm. someone hire a coach? The answer is a lot of people don't do this on their own, and it can be difficult to get perspective when you're so close to the problem and sometimes when you are the problem. Mm -hmm. So a coach can help give you some structure and guidance and perspective throughout this process. Yeah, it's one of those forest and trees kind of things, I suspect, mm -hmm. right? It's sometimes you're in the thick of it, and so it's really hard to get outside that and have a look at the whole experience or your whole approach. How long does it take to be coached? You know, what should a person expect in terms of the time it takes and the effort they have to put in and the outcomes they might get? I think it depends on what the person's goal is. What I ask of clients is a six-month commitment. I think if you're serious about affecting change or trying to accomplish a goal, Committing to six months is a not unreasonable thing to ask. Beyond that, it just depends. What I do with my clients is at the five-month mark, we'll have a check-in and say, how's it going? Do you want to continue? Or will we be wrapping up at the six-month mark, which is what you committed to at the very beginning? And what I'm discovering so far is that as the original goal might evolve or new goals and new objectives come up along the way. And so it's possible that someone would want to engage a coach in perpetuity. That hasn't been my experience thus far, but again, I'm pretty new at it. Finally, what would be an example of a key success factor or two working with you? If you don't want to have a coach, then don't even call me. Lose my number. If you don't want to have a coach, then it's never going to work. Right. First of all, coaching is not therapy. Let's make that clear. The joke is how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is one, but the light bulb needs to want to change. And there's a similar thing with coaching. A coach can certainly help a client, and the client has to be a willing and eager participant in the process. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. There are people who even, I, I know a couple of folks who put up their hand and say, I'm not coachable because I know the answer. I just have uh -huh. to do it. And I think you're right that if a person isn't open to the advice or isn't open to putting in some effort or isn't open to the possibility that there's another way to do something, then they're never going to get anywhere. And, and I, I agree that they probably shouldn't start and certainly shouldn't start, actually, I should say. And I have a conversation early on with my clients, mm -hmm. really in the exploratory conversation before we've even signed a coaching agreement. There is an important distinction, in my opinion, between liking the idea of something and wanting something. So let's say, for example, I like the idea of being a good swimmer. I don't actually want it because I'm not willing to go to the pool, put in the effort, do the drills, and take the time to become a proficient swimmer. I'm 
I'm fine at swimming. I can survive. I was a first class qualified swimmer in the Marine Corps, but I'm not a great swimmer. And I like the idea of it, but I don't actually want it. And I think that's an important distinction. To say that you actually want something means being willing to do what it takes to have that thing. So thanks, Melissa. Looking forward to the next conversation. Thanks, Michael. See you soon. You've been listening to Coach on Your Shoulder. I'm Michael Hayward. Coach on Your Shoulder is a weekly podcast that you can subscribe to at all the finest podcast outlets. Coach on Your Shoulder is co-produced by Melissa Simmons of Luminology. If you have questions about finding a coach or how you can get the most of a coaching relationship, drop us a line. We always love to hear from listeners like you.